1: Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an ESPN Nation blog covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined by Pale Dragon. What's up, PD?
2: Hey, Will. Uh, it's it's a very Monday, Monday, but uh, hockey is, is getting closer. I can taste it. I'm ready.
1: Yeah, it's definitely getting closer, and I'm going to be talking with... Seattle Kraken broadcaster John Forslund nice. this week. So I'm really looking forward to that. But lots of hockey stuff to get into. And we're going to jump right into that. So a bit of a shock. Last week, we learned that now former Blue Jackets assistant coach Sylvain Lefebvre will not be part of the organization going further as he refused the COVID-19 vaccination. So Cleveland Monsters assistant Steve McCarthy will be taking Lefebvre's spot on the bench for the Blue Jackets and their coaching staff, so uh, a bit of a a nugget there, PD, as the uh, organization has to shift as the season is quickly approaching.
2: Yeah, it, it was. Um, it did kind of come out of nowhere. Um, obviously, you know, right before training camp is not a great time to make a coaching change. Yeah, uh, odd, especially because you know this is a new staff getting put together. And you know, whatever work was done in the offseason, kind of gotta throw that out the window for in terms of what he was doing with the defense. Um uh and and it I it's baffling to me that it came to this for him. Um, you know, here's a chance to be an NHL assistant, and there are only so many of those jobs available. And you're blowing it over this, over over a vaccine that you know, has shown to have, you know, very good odds of you know decreasing your chances of getting COVID, of transmitting COVID, of lessening the symptoms if you do happen to still get it. Uh, yeah, and, and and you know, I applaud the the Blue Jackets for taking decisive action. Um, you know, they gave him, you know, a long time to to come to this decision, and then he he didn't take it. And I, I appreciated that that Yarmo was was quite blunt when he spoke to Aaron Portsline. He just said we need a coach and he can't coach, you know, the NHL protocols, which we discussed before. And I thought that they were the right protocols for how to deal with vaccinated or unvaccinated people. And it said, if you're not vaccinated, you got to stay 12 feet away from the players. And obviously <laughs> as a coach, you can't be in the locker room. You can't be in the meeting rooms. You can't be behind the bench, you know, with that 12 feet distance. So he just, he can't do the job. And that's uh that's a real shame. And then, yeah, so they're promoting Steve McCarthy who, I mean, good for for him. He's been an assistant for the Monsters for the last five years. It's interesting that he, in his younger playing days, he actually overlapped with Brad Larson in Atlanta. They were teammates there. And then McCarthy was also a teammate briefly with Zach Wierenski, uh, the Monsters back in 2016. Um, So there's a little bit of familiarity there. But my concern is, I already had a concern that it was a relatively inexperienced coaching staff. Uh, just in terms of like NHL experience and that sort of thing, so that's still that's still a concern going into the season. Something I'm going to keep an eye on. Um, now, on the other hand, it's all coaches with developmental experience, which this team is in a developmental phase, so it could be could be good for that. So it was, yeah, just a a wrench in the in the game planning that we really didn't need, you know, but. In, on one hand, though, McCarthy at least does know the system. Um, so perhaps there could be some continuity in that regard. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that will help as he should know the system. As you said, he knows Zach Berensky. And, you know, I, I just remember this. And I don't know. I wouldn't put too much stock into this, maybe. But I remember when the story broke last week about the, the change, uh, there were comments on the tweet about LeFave being out. And, you know, It was like random commenters saying things like, oh, that works out for Columbus, and I'm paraphrasing, but I uh, think it's like, oh, no loss there, so I guess a bit of a gripe there.
2: Yeah, so so back when he was hired, I heard from some some writers at the Espination Montreal site, Eyes on the Prize, and one of the writers there, Scott Matla, he covers their AHL teams, and Lefebvre had been coach of Montreal's AHL team, the head coach of their AHL team for several years, and... They, they were not a very successful team, and Scott felt like the players weren't developing very well under his watch. And there was an article he sent me—an article that he had written back in 2018 when Lefebvre was finally let go from that position, and he was applauding that decision. Um, And he says that since then, that the the new AHL coach for them has done much better. They've had Laval has had more success on the ice. They produced. More players that have gone on to mon- success in Montreal. Um, now, that being said, I've, I've also heard that Lefave, you know, he went on to be an assistant for San Diego under Kevin Dineen, and that the defense and penalty kill in San Diego was was good. So, you know, maybe he's just better suited as an assistant, focusing on the, the defense. I don't know, but there was certainly some evidence that, or you know, some people who felt like they were not happy with his performance at a previous job. So, um, so yeah, maybe, maybe it's a bullet dodge. We just don't know.
1: Yeah, hopefully it's a good situation for Steve McCarthy. It's a good opportunity for him, and hopefully he makes the most of it, and the team itself will—I guess it's better that it happened now than before we get into preseason games. Not that there's a great time for it, but we will move forward. The team will move forward, and we'll move forward on to the rest of the— kind of the rippling effect of coaches. So Mark Latestu, a fan favorite, will will replace McCarthy on the bench in Cleveland. Derek Dorsett is going to move full-time from his part-time developmental role. The Jackets will also plan to use veteran coach Craig Hartsburg to help to coach the defenseman with the, the Monsters. So he has kind of a mentor there, so to speak. Uh, of course, Hartsburg's a former NHL coach. So what do you think about these moves? And, uh, you know, it's a good opportunity for some guys like to Dorsett, Former Blue Jackets players in their own right to stay with the organization or move into other roles or full time roles.
2: Yeah, so I mean, we, you know, we we already knew that to and Dorsett were going to be involved as developmental coaches. Um, so they're already in the fold, and, and yeah, so they the Jackets had kind of immediate need for these guys to chip in because they're you know going to use the Cleveland coaching staff to coach the prospects in Traverse City, which we're going to be talking about. But then Cleveland head coach Mike Eves had a fall last week. And so he had to have, um, maybe had to have sur- sur- surgery, surgery, but yeah, he had a shoulder injury. So, um, Trent Vogelhuber, um, still pretty young guy. So he has been head coach of the prospect teams. Mark Letestu stepped in to coach the defense, even though he was a forward his whole career, Yet he's coaching defense. Real
1: interesting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then, uh, Derek Dorsett and Yarko Rutu split duties, coaching the uh, forwards there in Traverse city. Yarko Rutu is the uh, European development coach for the team, um, so that was just interesting that how they had to shuffle and who got to to fill those roles there. Uh, yeah, I had not heard the news about Hartsburg coming in, but that's uh, obviously he um, you know coached the defense under Todd Richards here. Um, so and he's long, long time NHL uh, assistant coach and even a head coach at times. Um, so that that's nice to have that kind of veteran presence. That was someone. Someone like that I would have liked to have seen in an advisory capacity for the Columbus staff, just for just to have that kind of veteran knowledge. Um, but nice to hear that he'll be helping out in Cleveland. And obviously, um, you know, Mike Eaves is a veteran coach himself, so I'm sure he's gonna show those guys the ropes. But, you know, I our our old friend Elaine has long been complimentary of the job that Trent Vogelhuber has done as a young assistant coach in Cleveland. Um, You know, he was able to make the transition from being a player, right. To being a coach and has taken to it quite well. And so I think he's still only like 32 years old or something like that. So uh, a rising star within the franchise, you know, makes you wonder if perhaps sooner rather than later, he could become the head coach in Cleveland or, you know, if, if things go well here in Columbus and, and, Maybe Pascal Vincent gets a head coaching job for an NHL team that Fogel Huber can, you know, then get a Columbus assistant job. You know, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But you know, good good for him. And you know, he's a, a local guy, Columbus kid. wasn't able to quite make it to the NHL as a player, but uh, could maybe make the NHL as a coach here at some point. But it, and it's nice to see the organization be able to fill these roles with people that have a history with the organization, and that you can have. You know, you can lose someone. And you've got these internal options that can that can replace it. That's uh, that's cool to see. And you know, I just it feels good to have, you know, guys like Latesto and Dorset that we watched play for so many years. The fact that they are still in the organization and can be with the organization long term in a coaching role, developmental role. Yeah, it just yeah, it's a kind of a warm and fuzzy feeling, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah and so Trent's 33 and like you said he's from Dublin or from the, of course Ohio area so local guy another local guy I feel like there's been so <laughs> yeah. many local guys in the organization and of course guys like Cole Salinger <laughs> who just got drafted but it's really cool to see lots of guys with Ohio ties and great opportunity for all of these guys that we just mentioned today's episode is brought to you by cars.com We'll move on to the real fun stuff as developmental camp happened last week. The Traverse City Tournament just wrapped up. On Monday, Columbus was very successful going 4-0. No championship trophy awarded because only five of the usual eight teams participated. But I'll kind of go through some of the nuggets. And as you mentioned, Mike Eves did not coach and Vocal Huber did. Columbus on Monday beat Toronto 7-6 in overtime. They scored the winning goal, I believe, with about 12 seconds to go in overtime. And like I said, they go 4-0. Uh, Igor Chinnikov and Cole Sillinger were both healthy scratch but both played tremendously well over the three games that they played in Tyler Angle had four points on Monday so he finished as the leading points getter with seven uh let's see Chinnikov had six points all goals in three games if I remember correctly I believe it was Chinnikov that had like a goal in game one then two in game two and then the hat trick in game three.
2: Right. So I was disappointed that he wasn't able to have the chance to score four goals, which, which based on, on the final score of the game, seven to six, he probably could have scored four goals if he had played. Um, and I think I saw that Josh Dunn also finished with seven points. So yeah, the, a lot of, a lot of blue jackets at the the top of the stats leaderboard for the tournament, which is a really, really good sign to see because there were a lot of top prospects, you know, former first round picks, uh, for the other teams that were playing, so for our guys to be up there is a really encouraging sign.
1: Yeah, and uh, Cole Sillinger had five points, and Tyler Angle, I didn't already mention that had six points, a four point game on Monday. But uh, yeah, so lots of offense, and I don't remember the few years, you know, the, the the prior tournaments in the last few years. But do you remember seeing so many goals go up for specifically Columbus and some of these prospect or the prospects that they had in those games
2: yeah well i know that it is these kind of events are generally more biased towards offense just because defensive schemes take longer to uh install you don't necessarily see as highly regarded goalie prospects at these tournaments that being said yeah i don't remember quite this explosion Columbus yeah having this much of an offensive output which is very encouraging to see. So, you had that, that top line of Cole Sillinger at center with Tyler Engel and Igor Chinnikov on his wings. And that line was uh, immensely productive. Just you listed the points there that they had. Um, they were scoring on the power play, uh, which is obviously something that we need help with. Um, so, the, the bit of games that I watched uh, were it was the first two games were the ones that I caught. And I really liked what I saw from that line so this is my first chance seeing Chinnikov in action aside from, you know, random highlights last year from the KHL. Wow. His shot. And you're going to hear people talking about Chinikov, like it's his shot and it lived up to the hype for me. My God. Uh, he's got a wicked wrister. Um, he, he's able to get himself open, get, get space but he's able to fire it through traffic. I mean, he picks his spot and he nails it. I was already looking forward to seeing him play, but I am really excited about his upside now because that shot is something special. And, you know, it had been reported that he was likely to spend time in Cleveland this year. And the way it was reported made it sound like it was, you know, people in the front office that were sort of feeding that, like, that they even expected that he would need time in Cleveland to adjust Based on what I saw this weekend, there's he might still spend some time in Cleveland, but he looks a lot more NHL ready than maybe he was advertised at. Um, now you know we'll see how his physicality translates, how his speed translates, but that shot, is something special, and that might be something that they want to have in the mix right from the get go. So, uh, you know, I'm I, I'm excited to see him in the mix in training camp and preseason. Um, you know, he's certainly, I think, going to get his opportunity to make the team. And, uh, and I hope he seizes the opportunity. Uh, Aaron Portsline had a great article last week about Chinnikov. And it sounds like he is uh, like his hard worker, that he's eager for the challenge that's coming up. So, you know, sounds like he's going to be a good guy to root for. A couple of other interesting nuggets about him. It mentioned that right after he was drafted, Vladislav Gavrikov reached out to him. Which I that was I was really glad to hear that he did that, um, and he gave him his 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 number. Like okay, here's my Russian cell phone number. Here's my American cell phone number. Reach out to me at any time. So, you know, Chinnikov he's he's try, he's learning English, but he's still not fluent in it by any means. So to have a fellow Russian on the team that has to be helpful. Uh, Elvis Merzlikens also speaks Russian, so hopefully that makes a, a smoother transition for him. And then the other interesting tidbit is that Chinnikov often texting Kirill Marchenko, you know, another one of our top prospects who's still playing over in Russia. And because they have a relationship now that makes it all the more important that this year goes well for Chinnikov, both on the ice in terms of opportunities given as well as off the ice, giving him the resources and making him feel comfortable, whether it's in Columbus or Cleveland or whatever, so that he can be relating to Marchenko hey, I'm having a good experience here. This is a good place to be. This is a good organization to be in. And so hopefully that can convince Marchenko as soon as possible next spring to sign his contract and come over here as well uh, because because it looks like he's going to be a special talent as well. He's already scored four goals in his first seven games in the KHL this season. So um, so those that I'm really, really excited about the just the skill level of those Russians. That's a level of skill that we haven't had a lot of uh, in franchise history.
1: You know, if Bemstrom can't take that next step, maybe Chinnikov's shot will be the shot that we've been waiting for or, or looking at with Bemstrom.
2: Yeah, yeah. Which you know, yeah. That that's a an important caveat to bring up because obviously we were you know excited about Bemstrom's shot. Now I think you know Bemstrom. It's I think it was more his slap shot. And, you know, he can have like a score under one timer and that kind of thing, which that requires so much timing with your teammates, a good pass, that sort of thing, which just hasn't really connected. Whereas Chinnikov showed that he can create the shot himself. Um, Now, he was, a lot of times he was operating in a lot of space, which you're not going to get that in the NHL. I think guys, you know, he's not going to be able to get lost like that. But he also showed that he could skate the puck through traffic, well, skate around to pick his spot. You know, he can find the space that he needs to shoot and, and get that shot off, and that wrister he can just create that out of nothing. So I think it might translate better, but that that might just be wishful thinking. I don't know, but but I, I do want to see that against um, you know NHL defense against NHL goalies. But but it's some, it's something exciting, and then you know, Cylinder. Is another player who, you know, we weren't sure where he's going to play this season, you right? Know, could he go? Could he go back to the WHL? Could he play in the NH- AHL, which it sounds like he'd be eligible for, or you know, could he make the NHL team? Um, you know, Portsline has speculated that he could make the NHL team. When he, you talk to Jody Shelley, you know, he seemed pretty high on Sillinger having a shot to make the NHL team, and like Chinnikov, what I saw this weekend shows like, oh this kid might be farther along than we expected. You know, again, it's a prospect tournament. You're playing against prospects, a lot of guys that might not ever make an NHL team. But this would be probably a similar competition to what you would face in the WHL. Mm-hmm. And cylinder looked dominant yeah. against the opposition, which would tell me that the WHL wouldn't pose much of a challenge for him. Mm-hmm. This year, so I think at the very least he should be in Cleveland.
1: <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Now
2: there's still stuff that he would need to work on. Probably still need to bulk up, especially to play the center position. But man, he's got he's got all the tools you'd want. He's he does play a physical game like Pierre Luc can get under your skin. But you know he's got he can pass it. He can set up guys like Chinenkov. He can shoot the puck himself. You know, I've, I've seen you know the highlights in, in uh, USHL or at the Team Canada camp or, or here in Traverse City. I mean, he's got a nice shot himself. He's got a powerful shot. So yeah, he we could be seeing Sillinger in Columbus a lot sooner than we thought. Um, now again, I still don't want to rush him, right? But if he if, but if he earns the spot, then I mean that's good for him and that's good for the team if he is earning that spot because he's ready for it. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's just a prospect tournament. You don't want to put too much stock in it, but it's definitely better to do well in this than to not do well in this, you know? So, and to see guys have success, who we have such high expectations for, you know, they're living up to the hype and that's a good thing best case scenario is what
1: we saw to see these guys play so well and as you said dominate a lot's going to play out but what we saw was just you can't do better than that yeah remember last year when people scoffed at the Chindikov draft pick i know it's, it's it's early but so far so good
2: yeah no i, I think it's you can obviously see what the jackets on him and and even some other teams that were starting to rank him as maybe a, a late first early second pick you can understand that there's, he's got something special there. You know, maybe he's not the best skater, you know, maybe he's not going to be physical enough, but that is an NHL shot. Yeah. You know, and maybe an elite NHL shot. And, you know, I think that's something worth taking the risk on. Like, all right, that's, we see something special there. Let's take him and see what happens, you know? And then I'd like to touch upon a couple defensemen as well. So, uh, one of them was stanislav sposel who we talked about as, he was he was a guy that a lot of people had ranked as a late first round early second round type pick mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he fell to us in the top of the third round and i still don't understand how that happened because he looked really good there in traverse city you know he's just very comfortable with the puck able to skate the puck out of the zone pass the puck out of the zone I just saw a number of defensemen who were effective at moving the puck. Um, and that seems to have been a trend in the type of defenseman the Jackets have been picking lately. And I think that's just the direction the league is going in. You can't have a defenseman that's just a big body that can't skate well and can't do anything with the puck. You need guys that can do stuff with the puck. Tim Burney stood out to me as well. There was one play that caught my attention where he got the puck in the defensive zone and he held it for a beat just to let things start to shift and then he found a passing lane to a forward who was going, skating through the neutral zone and it wasn't a big passing lane it was a tight one but he made the pass right on the mark and it was i I thought a very intelligent play to be careful with the puck but then make the right pass to get it out of the zone and get it up ice and he's a guy who I feel like he's been in the system for a while, but he's still just 21 years old. Um, he's been playing you know, in a pro league in Switzerland. It was supposed to come to Cleveland last year, but due to COVID stuff, they decided to just loan him to his old team in Switzerland and stay over there. But he's here in North America now. He's going to be part of the Monsters this year, and um, I'm excited to see what comes from his game. I'm not saying he's going to be a you know, first pair defenseman or anything like that. But he seems like a very reliable, maybe like a Marcus Nutivara type defenseman. And then another one that caught my attention was Jake Christensen. Now he's a guy who I think has been flying under the radar, even among Columbus fans. You know, he didn't make our top 25, but under, you know, top 25, under 25. But I think maybe he should have. I think people forget about him because he was not drafted. He was signed out of the WHL and that signing happened in early March of 2020. <laughs> so it was right before things shut down. So we kind of forgot about him and, but he was in Cleveland last year, did well with, with the monsters and, you know, and I saw from him a lot of the same things I saw from, uh, you know, Bernie or disposal, just, you know, good with the puck, able to skate it out of the zone, pass it out of the zone, just very capable moving the puck. So, like those three defensemen I feel very good about going forward in terms of just replenishing the defensive depth. and It actually creates kind of an interesting situation for us because we already have a lot of young defensive talent that is already at the NHL level, so I don't know where all these guys fit in. But that's a good problem to have because you can have these competitive battles in training camp for who you're top six you're going to be and along the way it gives us a chance to then maybe trade some guys to help out at other positions if need be but you know uh, it, once again it makes the blue line a position of strength for us in terms of our depth turn
1: yeah and just a few more nuggets columbus had 10 goal scorers and 16 different point scorers in the four games and i wanted to see if you would agree with this jeff sabota said his three stars were chinikov Sillinger, and jack greaves do you agree with that
2: well, I definitely agree with uh, Chinnikov and Sillinger being the top two stars because, I mean, they lived up to the hype. They were the best players on the ice. You know, I think it, it was worth worth a tip of the cap to Jet Greaves because there were some games where he kept the jackets in it, um, some of the games that weren't as high-scoring. Last week, I, I mentioned about the goalies maybe earning a spot. I had forgotten that Greaves actually had already signed an AHL contract, so he will be in the mix in Cleveland. Um, now, I think you know, Tarasov deserves to get the bulk of the starts there because I think he's got the highest upside. But I um, liked what I saw from Jack Greaves, so I feel better about the goaltending depth in the organization. But no, I I don't know that I would have made him the third star. I think I maybe would have gone with Tyler Angle or Josh Dunn, maybe for that third spot, or one of those defensemen. Uh, Josh Dunn looked really good out there. Playing the center position is very important, but you know he could pass it, he could play physical, um, he got the the game winning goal in overtime against Toronto in the first game on Thursday. Uh, I think he may be assisted on the winner uh, today against Toronto. Um, Obviously we got a glimpse of him for a couple games in Columbus last year, but um, he's a guy, he he could be in the mix for, you know, a bottom three center position. Um, You know, so don't, don't overlook him here coming into training camp because he could certainly earn some time in Columbus again this year.
1: Yeah, and I'll also mention that James Malatesta will not be suspended following his hit on Detroit prospect Jared McIsaac. Did you
2: see that hit? Um, I I didn't see the hit. Yeah, I heard about it though. It sounds like it was, uh, you know, an ugly one. Just to you know hit him from behind into the boards, um, and then he was motionless on the ice. So it's obviously a scary situation. Thankfully, um, it sounds like there was no serious injury there.
1: And the two talked, and they're good, it sounds like. so.
2: Yeah, and I, and I appreciate that Malatesta was remorseful after the fact that there was no malicious intent with the hit. Now, I think he needs to learn from it and not make those kind of dangerous hits anymore. Um, and I like that he was able to respond today by having a hat, hat trick um, so he's not just a bruiser. Um, yeah, and I, I like some of the stuff I saw from him. He's got some some upside. Um, now, he's a, he's more of a long-term project. So he's going to spend a couple more years in the queue, but you know, there's, there's definitely some, some upside there from him. Yeah.
1: And, uh, that's all I had. Did you have anything else that you wanted to mention?
2: No, I think that was it. Um, so stay tuned to the canon this week. We'll have posts all week, uh, outlining the position battles in training camp, you know, going over the depth chart. That's going to be here this week. We've got uh media day on Tuesday, uh, the fitness tests on wednesday then they hit the ice on thursday for the uh, the on ice uh, fitness testing so yeah um i'll be curious to see if uh, yeah. larson puts them through the ringer as much that's as what torts i was about did. to say yeah uh, i'm sure the players are hoping that he doesn't but you know i do feel like all of that conditioning work that torts did yeah benefit to the team it helped them you know in the third period of games it helped them you know, in the middle of the season is, you know, starting to get tired a little bit that the Jackets... Hug- Legs feed the wolf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they had a little more left in the tank uh, than other teams. So uh, hopefully some of that will uh, will carry over to this. So we'll just see, you know, how the training camp differs from, from what torts did. And then, you know, a week from, you know, on Monday, it's jackets at penguins the preseason is just a week away it's crazy
1: yeah I was just about to say. I was looking at the schedule and uh i don't know i got this pumped up feeling i saw there was games on saturday and then i saw seattle's logo on sunday and it's here it's finally here the blue jackets will play pittsburgh uh next monday at seven o'clock when we are typically recording but uh yeah it's almost here with the nfl back it's like yep. fall is finally here it feels like
2: fall it's it's, it's getting it's getting darker a little bit earlier. Like yeah, it's 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 fall here. It's yep. it's crazy. It's crazy, it is crazy. Well, as
1: P D mentioned, check out at C B J Cannon on Twitter and Facebook at Jacketscannon.com and that's gonna do it for us this week. We will see you all next time. Subscribe to the Canoncast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating, and as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to JacketsCannon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us and follow us on Twitter at CBJCannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley in the Halle Moons. Check out AngelaPerley.com for more music and show dates.